Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the Delta Project. It's myself, Coach Peter, and we've got Connor on the other side. Connor, how are you doing? Hey, Peter, it's uh, good to see you again. Uh, I'm not doing my absolute best at the moment. I got a bit of a, a flu slash cold uh, the other week, but doing my best to truck through and happy to be on the podcast again. It's good to have you back. So let's see, um, are you training right now? Or are you just out? I'm pretty much just just out, I would say. Um, just uh, with things that have been going on, especially just um, just in life and just with the sickness all of a sudden, I kind of just feel like I've been a, kind of in a bit of an area where I just made sense not to try and push through it too hard and just to try and rest up and uh, haven't really been tracking too much food or really been working out uh, the, last, the last week. Uh, I mean, there's been here and there, but I uh, definitely feel like I lost a bit of the athlete's focus the last week, but I think I think I'm okay, I'm definitely okay with that. And uh, although it makes me a little bit sad not to be on track, I think, you know, everyone should give themselves a little bit of time off here and there, um, even the most serious uh, competitors or athletes. So I would say this is one of my one of my times. So I'm just going to try and enjoy it and know that soon I'll be back on track. Cool. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're going to try to enjoy the flu. <laughs> yeah thanks yeah <laughs> no that's tough um but yeah uh interesting um myself it's been pretty pretty normal week for the most part uh training uh i've been pretty actually good on my training for the last last few weeks like i said in the last uh, episode kind of uh returning back to the motivation of training kind of hard which is interesting because i'm a few weeks well i think i'm five weeks into my mini cut now um, so I should be ending it relatively soon. Uh, it was a little bit slower than my initial uh, goal, and we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I'm really kind of really motivated to lift right now. So my sessions in the morning are a little bit more committed. So that's been really nice. Um, nutrition, I over the 4th, because uh, we're recording this now on the 11th, which it will be released on a day in the future. Um, so my parents were in town from... Uh, for July 4th weekend. So they came kind of like for six days, uh, roughly. And for that time, I was, I was not particularly focused on nutrition, just because it wasn't something that they've always been very, very um, good at handling me being on a diet for things. So I've seen them many times to compete. And so a lot of the times that they've, they've visited, or I visited them, I was doing so with having to watch what I was eating to make weight for a contest. Uh, for many times I saw them during the bodybuilding contest, it was, you know, bodybuilding prep. Um, so when they were here, I, I, I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. And I remember my mom saying one time, she's like, you know, it's, it's weird. I, th I think we've seen you for the last few years and you've always been like having to watch what you're eating. I'm like, you know, I, <laughs> it's nice to not worry about that with, you know, kind of this visit right now. So it was, it was cool to do that. Um, and it, it didn't really affect my, uh, I didn't gain weight from just kind of doing it somewhat like more intuitively or just like going with the flow of what people wanted for dinner, which was generally going out. So I tried to pick relatively good options, which for me is kind of rare. Uh, if I'm going out to eat, I almost, if I'm in bodybuilding uh, like mode, I'll get very specific meals. But if I'm not, then and I'm going out, I'm just going to get what it looks tasty. And so I was able to really just do that. Um, and then 
kind of dial it back a little bit and get some things that were kind of more specifically uh, intentionally lower calorie selections that I could really still enjoy, like a chicken sandwich or um, like, well, I guess a grilled chicken sandwich or um, I had a, what was it? It was quite delicious. It was a, it was a turkey club, absolutely phenomenal sandwich. Um, but yeah, so like it was, it was nice to really kind of let loose a little bit in terms of nutrition um, while still being somewhat mindful uh, during the visit. And that was really meaningful for me. Um, and then I had a lot of days off, so I got plenty of training in. So that was nice. Nice. Yeah, I always found the family stuff a little bit difficult to navigate because I feel like I kind of set myself up where I would be so strict around my parents. Like I almost wanted to set the tone so they wouldn't think I was not serious or they wouldn't think I would like just break if they offer me stuff. So it's sometimes during the off season, it's almost hard for me to communicate. I'm now being more lax, but I feel like a lot of people have trouble with the idea that you're a competitive bodybuilder but the off season is very important, but it can also be a little bit more relaxed nutritionally. Like they just have trouble with that concept. They think like either you're competing nonstop or you're not. And then like, if you're just eating normal foods, like you're just being like a fat slob and like not training. Like I always find it tough. People at work will be like, are you training? I'll be like, I'm, I'm always training. I've been training for the last 15 years. I've never stopped training. And they're like, do you have a show coming up? I'm like, well, I'll compete next year. But like, so you're not training. I was like, well, it's like, you just got to kind of understand what the process is. And I often get a little frustrated trying to explain it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, people always see things through their lens and what makes sense to them. So you can't expect them to just to understand what's going through your head with just a, a few sentences of explanations, right? But um, that's something I've never really gotten better at, <laughs> I find over the last 10 years, but it is what it is. Yeah, right? I can relate to that really well, where it's like, you know, someone asks you like, oh, you're training, right? It's like, I'm, I'm always training. What do you mean? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, do you have a contest coming up? It's like, oh, oh no, that's not for a while. I'm just, I'm just lifting to, you know, improve for that. <laughs> but it's just like, it's really funny because that, that specific question has been asked to me like three or four times in the last month or two when normally people, I don't know, they don't ask that specific question, but it was very much exactly how you worded it. And that exact exchange that was kind of odd. So it, yeah. I think people view it more like a boxing match or like an MMA match where you're like in like a hardcore dedicated training camp for like six weeks or something. Uh, and then they think after that, if you're not competing, you're just off. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's how maybe how the general public kind of perceives the bodybuilding process. Um, and then it's really, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I find it's really hard to explain like bulking to people that are so oh, you're just like getting fat or whatever. You're like, like, no, like just to increase muscle mass, eat at a surplus. And they're, it's, they're just, I don't know, because I think people, when they look at bodybuilders, they think they're very lean, but they, they are mostly noticing the muscle mass. And they're thinking, oh, that's a very big look without understanding that um, most of the people who are competitors look actually really small in clothing uh, leading up to the show. So maybe until they've like hung around a few people or have, have seen what the off season to pre-contest, like what it looks like in clothes, they don't, they don't really clue in, but uh Definitely, I, I, sh I shouldn't I shouldn't throw everyone under the bus. There's definitely a few people on my staff who like have seen it a few times now. They've been there the whole time I've been working there and they like, they kind of get it. And they're like, oh yeah, like if he's actually looking really skinny and frail, he's probably doing a show. Cause like the, the other the other week, one of my coworkers was like, oh, like Connor's looking big. I thought he was getting ready for a show. And I was actually, I, I said to him, I was like, oh, I look probably closer to a cancer patient you know, when I'm actually getting ready, ready for a show. And then it just kind of like went, I could see it just went right over his head. Um, but it is what it is. I, I, I handled it well. So he handled True it. Well nonetheless. Too, so. Yeah. 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 
Let's see, uh, specific notes. Uh, I'm just gonna jump into uh, training and it looks like I didn't write any notes despite having sent this. Um, but so specifically going, kind of going into some of the training things that were going on for my week, um, chess continues to be excellent, at least in terms of training quality and enjoyment. Um, I'm surprised that it hasn't waned at all. I'm still really excited for that. Um, I'm still doing quite a lot of bicep training and lat training. That seems to be um, something that I'm least, uh, at least mostly uh, consistent on. I very rarely miss anything with those particular workouts just because um, back and biceps are something that for my physique, I believe is really the most important for me to add uh, just because my, my back shots, then my like front relaxed. I just, my, I feel like I've got like sticks sticking out of the side <laughs> of like, you know, big quads and then some abs. Um, so like uh, those are things that are really important for me to really spend a lot of time on. So I've, I've been really focusing on that. Um, but um, I think the front of the body are uh, like lat pull down. Um, I think I'm at a weird place where like I can go heavier or I can go a lot more reps. But if I do, if I add a little bit of weight, I either float up a little bit because it's just kind of the resistances I'm at. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm starting to recruit more, um, more muscles that aren't necessarily just the lat to kind of do more pulling. So sure. I noticed that at the current weight that I'm at, if I'm actually keeping my elbow kind of tucked forward, I feel quite a bit of pec. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, well, I specifically don't want that. So I've, I, I turned um, my arm out a little bit just to kind of prevent that uh, kind of like pec activation, uh, which I think helped quite a bit. And then I dropped the weight a little bit. So it's not trying to jump in to save the lat from doing as much work. Um, so I've just been doing a little bit more reps with that. And I think, I think that's helping, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure if it, maybe it's time for me to just kind of shift away from that movement for a little while and then kind of come back to it. Um, but, uh, I think that I'm really happy with my diverging lat pulldown still the tension I feel on those is really, really great. So I, I feel, um, at least from kind of an, an internal perception sort of way that I'm getting really good stimulus from that because, uh, the pump is really nice, uh, not extreme, not that I get much back pumps. Um, and then I, I have, I don't have soreness the following day, but I have like, I can feel the muscle a little bit more. Like, uh, I, I just feel it more the following day as if it were sore, but not being sore. If, if you can kind of catch where I'm coming from with that. So those have been some things that I've really been liking. And then all of my accessories have been really uh, working back into my program now that I'm giving more, myself more time in the mornings. So that's been really nice. Um, no big PRs, but it is what it is. Yeah. I found, um, obviously, as I said earlier that I wasn't, you know, this last week has kind of been a bit of a wash for training, but I found some of my, like, uh, I had a very linear, uh, path upwards with some of the lat motions I've been doing over the last few years. And I found that was getting tougher to, uh, keep going up and up the last few weeks. It might've just been that I wasn't really at a great surplus and some of the movements maybe needed to be uh, swapped out, but I was kind of more working or thinking, focusing more mentally on kind of more of the thickness aspect of my back shots recently, like more traps and spinal erectors, I would say. Uh, and I, I've just kind of, I wouldn't say I've come off the more direct lat training that I've been doing. I'm still doing it, but I'm trying to add in a little bit more rowing and thinking about how to hit the erectors a little bit more because looking at my back shots from 2022 i actually think my lat development was pretty good 
Um, and I'd say, you know, I have pretty favorable genetics for lats. They insert quite low. Um, I mean, getting them thick is another story, I guess, but it's been pretty good progress in the first half of my off season. So I might be switching my focus more to like some rowing motions. And like one thing that I've been liking a lot lately, is just a chest supported T-bar row, letting my arms protract and sorry, shoulders protract a little bit more and incorporating a little bit of spinal extension, extensor motion, which makes it a little bit more integrated. But I feel like doing that motion on a per rep basis is very stimulative to like, basically like the thickness of the back in terms of, you know, all of the spinal erectors and both kind of the mid to lower traps, uh, that feels really good. Uh, and that's something I've been trying to progress a little bit more lately. And that's, that's been nice. And I think I'm going to continue to, to do that. Um, and I hit a few PRs as well on that before I, I shut things down just recently. I think I got, uh, the form wasn't the best, but I got to about four 45 pound plates on our Atlantis T-Baro, which definitely is a PR. I never remember doing four plates. Um, some of that might be letting the erectors do a little bit more work than before. Um, but I'm okay with that. I honestly think it's working really well. It's not fatiguing me too much and it's giving me what I want. So I'm pretty happy with that's going. I would say too before that that's something I kind of frown upon with people is letting the erectors work on a chest supported row because in my head it was more of an isolation. Um, but it's, it's kind of funny uh, when I think about it, you know, a lot of people like barbell rows because, you know, they demand so much from our spinal erectors, just kind of holding that position. And then I thought, well, why can't you kind of extend that same logic to a chest supported row and just get a little bit more dynamic motion in there with those muscles? Like, is that so wrong? If people have, if athletes for decades have sworn by the barbell row, is it wrong to put it on a T-bar row or is it just something we're not used to doing, right? So as I got to experimenting with it, I quite, I quite like it. And uh, before I would see people doing it before I'm like, not nah, doing it wrong. But now I'm coming back on that. And I would say, no, I think it's definitely a, an acceptable variation if you know what you're doing and you know exactly why you're moving in that way. Yeah, yeah that's definitely something I agree with. I, I like, um, I'm not cheap rows because actually we've talked about this before um it's just kind of the first thing i think of like kind of like a crock row but i think that's a little bit more extreme than kind of what you're specifically mentioning um but i like a little body language in in a good row just uh depending on the specific goals like yours like you're saying just kind of like thickness and just general areas um not just like a perfect lat movement um i really mm -hmm. like that because there's something to be said about recruiting more muscles for the movement i mean if you're trying to add thickness and you're working more muscles at the back just by by force of will um that's that's not terrible i'm not mad at that as long as you're not risking injury um and knowing you as i do i, I doubt you're risking any sort of injury trying to just uh, mm. row slightly more with a t-bar row I, I think it's really important to know how the motion is working and to know what you're doing with it and that you're controlling each rep with like a blend of spinal extensors and like, let's say traps and rear delts and biceps. Like that's, that's pretty much what's working. Right. So as long as you know, like how you're initiating the motion and like, I do feel like I'm just pulling from all those muscles at the same time. And it's a bit of like a, a technique, I, I suppose you could say, uh, as long as you know, you're doing that and you're not just like actually just messing up your form by putting on way too much load. I think it's like pretty easy to control. Like it takes a bit of practice, but once you get it, it's like pretty natural. And there's, there's something to be said about using it as um, a tool to maintain. It, 
it's hard to say this specifically because I don't know the correct terminology. Um, but if your if certain muscles are naive to movement or certain tissues are naive to movement, uh, basically trying to roast something up with a little bit more body language because you've never done it, and you're trying to pick something up that's kind of heavy that you're going to need body language for in your day to day life. Um, having some sort of experience within those movements with those muscles uh, will, I believe, uh, helps keep you a little bit more um, like built against injury. I can't remember the term right now for some reason, but um, just like resilient, yeah, more resilient to injury because you have used those pathways. Your muscles know and what know what ways to do because they've interacted with it before, and they've held those tensions before without being suddenly included. So the resilience from like doing that, I think is something that's worth noting. And mm. one of the reasons I like to use it for strongman athletes is because sometimes you're just like, you got to pull something like you're pulling a car, you got your feet on a piece of plywood, you've got a rope in your hands and that car needs to move six more inches. If you've never used your body to pull and you've only used less, you're going to, you're, I'm not going to say you're going to hurt yourself, but the, the likelihood dramatically improves if you're doing anything that you possibly can in any position that your body will let you to get that last six inches of like a car pull you, you need to be able to like have some experience within those movements within those motions to know what you can and cannot do and then for your body to be prepared to do it should it want to and i think that even follows with like uh positioning and squats stuff like that making sure you're not so pristine in your groove that if, if you miss groove once your body tells you in a big way um yeah depending on bodies of course I know too, some of the like thicker backs I've observed. And when I'm saying thickness, I mean, I guess all the muscles in the back, like even the lats too, but let's say more of that, like column look up the spinal erectors where kind of the lats and the traps are overlaying the spinal, the spinal extensors. Uh, some of the more dense backs I've seen are people who like deadlift with quote unquote bad form or deadlift with like a, a rounded upper back. Like I've seen that a lot. And I used to think that was like such a bad taboo thing to do or to, um, you know, or just, just like when you saw someone deadlift, like with that, you just, you automatically say it's bad form and it's dangerous, but, uh, I don't think that's the case. The more evidence I see, obviously you need to kind of know your limitations and try and make each rep, you know, similar, uh, and not have a ton of compensation at when the loads are getting too heavy. But like, I've like, I've seen lots of guys who deadlift with a rounded upper back or just strongman, for example, that just very thick yeah. back there. And obviously- I was going to mention that, um, in, in strongman, a rounded upper back is, um, it's, it's actually anecdotally a tool some people use. Um, if you are really bad off of the ground, uh, your initial pull, uh, a rounded upper back is something that people do intentionally to be able to break the ground a little bit better. Um, it makes lockout harder because then you have to straighten back up at the end. Um, so that's something that, so if naturally upper back rounded deadlifters tend to struggle a little bit more with their lockouts than people who don't round their upper backs. Um, whereas people who don't might have more struggle off the floor, but at some point you're going to struggle off the floor if you just can't deadlift it. So mm -hmm. it's worth giving it a try for, uh, for strength athletes who have no, no upper back problems beforehand. So at least worth giving it a try, but, um, yeah, I have actually mentioned that or seen that with uh, strongman athletes as well. Mm. It, it, it's interesting too because as I say that um, I've actually gotten better at not rounding my upper back um, on deadlift variations in the last few years and 
maybe that's because my glutes and hamstrings have become that much stronger. So I'm just getting more pop out of them from the bottom. That's probably what's going on now that I talk it through. Um, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been nice to be able to control the motions well, and then, then integrate the spinal actor stuff with the rows and stuff and more like more intentional movements. I think that's been a really good uh, blend for me. And I haven't had a lower back injury in the longest time. So I feel like, I feel like it's all working well for me. So just a matter of sticking with it and trying to progress. I've never been a very, I've never been a very dense guy. I always felt like I kind of lacked density up the, up the spinal columns and um, reasons for that. Maybe just um, too many injuries when trying to deadlift before, or just not being able to stick with the variation long enough to uh, get enough load on there to see uh, progress come or just not enough time with any given variation. But uh, it's been something that's been slowly getting better over the years. And I'm just hoping to see, see continual improvements. Yeah, I am. I'm not really sure where I land. No one specifically critiqued uh, my erectors when I was on stage. It was not really a thing many people mentioned. So you can always kind of like let me know. I'm kind of curious. But um, one thing that I really like doing for, uh, I guess, that column, so the director spinet, is uh, I like to do, and you can actually see Dan doing it, uh, weighted hyperextensions. Uh, I like to keep, uh, at least when I do it, I like to keep my pelvis uh, like stationary where I'm not rotating it with uh, with the hyperextension just so that all the extension, and, well, flexion and extension and hyperextension with that movement is just with the, the erectors. Um, I believe he holds a dumbbell to do so. Um, I prefer to hook my elbows through the upper levels of an easy curl bar. I find that uh, basically kind of like a California or a Zerker grip, which is technically, I think, a, a Zerker grip. Um, I find that to be a little bit more comfortable and I can more micro load. Um, it just depends on what your, your hyperextension machine looks like. If you would smash into the posts that people put their hands on to get in with that, then it won't work. Um, but I, I did that for uh, several years, kind of getting into bodybuilding for the first time, just cause I got a, my parents home gym and they had a hyperextension and I was like, I don't know what I want to do for back. Well, it wasn't deadlifting at the time. Uh, just, we didn't have a lot of plates. Uh, and that was that was my like lower back movement. I did air quotes uh, for those of you not watching. Um, and I, I like that. I still to this day wish I had a 45 degree hyperextension machine that I could do that movement on because I really like it. I just can't fit that in my gym right now unless I, I, I could probably find a folding one, but I haven't done that yet. Awesome. So I'm curious with your mini cut, you said we'd kind of circle back to that. So how did the first few weeks of that go since it's been a minute since we've talked? Oh, yeah. So the, the first weeks went pretty well. The first three weeks, I was really right on with macros, but I think I under undersold what the my ad, ad, adaption to the deficit would be. So I didn't probably didn't go quite as low or adapt to it or like change it as quickly as I should have. So I probably I was at a, a slower rate than the two pounds per week. I was probably at one and a quarter pound per week, which isn't too bad because I'm down. Um, because uh, I took basically a week off from the last time we were recording, but I'm down to like 154. I wanted to be to, down to 152 at about this time, or maybe 150. So I'll probably give it one or two more weeks, see if I can get to 152 or 150. Um, but yeah, so I was pretty pretty lackadaisical with it last week. Uh, but I'm really back on it now, and I'm pretty happy with that. But yeah, I think I just went on a slower rate than I was hoping to. Um, and I think Admittedly, I, I'm still not fully committed or fully ready to be on a deficit to be hungry again. Um, I'm just not like, I'm not 
like hella motivated for it, but I did want to bring my weight down a little bit. So I've been able to get that work, uh, that work in and kind of do it, but I'm ready to get back to focusing on building muscle again and putting weight on. So I'm like, I want to get through these last two weeks and then get back to my off season gaming until it's, until it's time. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I don't think I've ever been fully happy with an off season. Not that I'm not trying hard and doing my best. I always just have this insecurity at the end of it that I just didn't do enough to become muscular or like I start to second guess. I'm like, what if I trained this way or maybe my rate of gain was too fast or I didn't, I got too heavy or I got, I didn't get heavy enough. Um, what if I didn't, I, take, what if I just didn't take that cut? <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Or, or that. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've never really been fully confident, but I think that's just part of just bodybuilding being a hard sport and it's just hard to get as muscular as the top guys. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, and there's being, no right answer either. So you're like, what mm -hmm. if I, what if I did the other right answers? Yeah. You're all, there's always that. What if, right. Um, I think it gets harder too, as you progress, because you start to get compared to better athletes. Um, so like, you know, I'm trying to look at like someone like, uh, like Dirk Emmerich uh, is prepping right now. Um, and my friend, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Cooper is, they're both doing a contest season this year and I'm comparing myself to them and it's a very high bar to, to uh, be compared to, right? But I guess that's the, the fun of, of bodybuilding. And sometimes I just, I play a mental trick on myself. I'm like, well, what will you be happy with? Like, uh, are you happy with that you won the WMBF Pro Card? Is that enough? Or like, do you need to finish uh, your competitive career? You need to be amongst the best. Okay, well, what if you land amongst the best? Do you then need to be world champion? Do you then need to be world champion several times over? Like, when when is it enough? When are, when are you happy? And like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh man, just focus on the process, just focus on the journey. You know what I mean? You mean your first goal wasn't multiple world champion titles? <laughs> I you didn't start there. I think I think my first goal was just to see if I could look okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. If I could look good for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first goal, bodybuilding wise, was can I step on stage? and remember that I can move my feet. Yeah. <laughs> Just because yeah, totally. the stage fright that I had growing up, I was like, I don't know if I'll even be able to function as a human being on stage. Totally. So yeah. I, I made a post about it once. And I think maybe people took it the wrong way or it could easily be taken the wrong way. But I'm like, you know, even like Ronnie Coleman, for example, the best considered the best bodybuilder ever, he had a cap, right? Where he couldn't keep getting better and his body broke down. Like, and eventually he was limited by his own injuries, right? Um, so it's like, at some point, your upward tra trajectory just, you know, has to stop, right? And there has to be a peak and there has to be, you know, a place where you start to, you're just struggling to, to keep what you have, right? So um, as long as I can hold that time off a little bit longer, I'm happy. Yeah, I feel like we've got a while. At least um, yeah. Jeff Alberts, you know, proves we've got at least maybe three or four more years in us, if yeah. not another 20. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Um, speaking of, uh, let's transition to, into our uh, topic for the day. Um, where you are with your training, would you say life gives you deloads, Connor? I would say that's pretty much how I've approached it um, over the last few years. Um, I've definitely worked with coaches who program deloads. Um, I'll be 100% transparent. I find them hard to um, adhere to when I'm doing my own programming in the sense that like just walking into the gym and doing a deload workout just feels like it's antithetical to my goal. Uh, it's like, it's, if I can't, you know, bang the heaviest weights I can or put 
a decent amount of like stress of the muscle. It's kind of hard for me to be there. I think that's kind of the way I enjoy training. Uh, and I realized that could be problematic because that's kind of like an all or nothing attitude, which, uh, you know, if someone else came to me with that, I'd probably try and show them the flaws in that logic or just show them, you know, why you shouldn't do it that way. But at the, at the end of the day, that's kind of just how I've been with it. Um, and I think as well too, with the deload in the sense that if you need it or, you, or if you don't need it, uh, some of that can come down to like, just how you like the program in terms of what your preferences are and how you like to do it as like an artist, you know, understanding some, some principles. And like, if you're someone who likes to really ramp up volume over the course of like a mesocycle and you like that to come to a big peak, you know, you probably want to deload at some point. Um, but what I've been doing over the last few years is more of like a, a flat approach to volume where I'll keep it pretty, pretty steady. And I might amp up a little bit and then, that's that. And then I might just look at changing the program a little bit or, you know, life might happen. Then I might just end up taking a week off and I wash away fatigue, or maybe I just miss a workout one week. And then that's enough to kind of keep things going. Right. Not that I, not that I was happy to miss the workout, but sometimes that happens and you can just keep training for a little bit longer. Right. So um, that's kind of been my approach to it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I would prefer to be a little bit more reactionary with people um, just because I think it's, I think it's really hard bodybuilding to keep momentum going. I think like once you get some momentum, if you can ride it out, that's really good. You just need to be careful that you're not leading yourself down a path of injury or burnout. Um, and in which case, you know, if you're paying attention to your clients or if you're paying attention to yourself, you should be able to kind of recognize when you need a little bit of time off. Um, but that comes with, with time and experience for sure. What's your thoughts? So um, I think this is probably the topic where I might have changed my point of view the most uh, over the last few years. Um, since probably 2000, I don't know, maybe the last 10 years, so 2013, I've been training pretty much always with a four to one ratio of, of workload to deload. So the four week paradigm. So train for four weeks, uh, I periodize it. So I do progressively more load or progressively more volume kind of depends on where I'm at uh, or it's part of a larger uh, macro cycle whatever that part's not important but I usually or almost always deloaded the fifth week so I did four weeks load fifth week off um, and then when I say week off I would probably drop everything um, drop the number of reps or drop the total resistance I think usually what I would do is do like half the sets and half the reps at about the same weight for the most part. So just kind of like quarter or half volume for the most part. And then did a bunch of like bullshit exercises that were very, very light, but fun. Uh, that's something I, I did for a lot of deloads, but mostly um, deloads are where I would program in my rotator cuff movements. Uh, so I would do shoulder, um, like just, you know, the different rotator exercises, I would do those with cables. Um, and I would do a little bit more ab work within that time and kind of just spend time in the gym the same amount, uh, but doing less total like training, I guess. Um, but the reason I spent that time deloading was for a couple of reasons. The first reason is I assumed I needed it to be able to wash away fatigue and to be able to continue training with the intensity level that I was, which I probably did. I would say with the strength training that I was doing, where I was working very close to my limit by the end, uh, working that close to the limit, I needed a rest afterwards. So there's that. Uh, did I need to train so hard that I needed to deload? I don't know. 
I don't know if I needed to trade him that hard. Um, I wouldn't really have, no one would have been able to tell Peter, don't train that hard and then deload less. I don't know that I would have been able to do that. But at the same time, if I hadn't done that, that would have been like, so at that time I was deloading 13 weeks of 52. So that's, um, no, no, that's a little bit more because uh, it's the fifth week, uh, 52 times 0.2, uh, 10 weeks, 10 and a half weeks. So basically deloading for, you know, 10 and a half weeks of the year. If I had trained five more weeks, would I have gotten the same result? Again, I don't really know. But I liked working with the heavyweights, so I really enjoyed that and have very little regrets from that time in deloading for that. Um, now that I'm further in my kind of like training career, I don't deload for that reason anymore. I deload um, probably every six weeks. Um, and that's just because I don't really know. I don't really know for sure what the healing time course is on non-muscle tissues. Um, I don't know if tendons are recovering at the same rate. I don't actually, I don't know if there's a lot of research on specifically how fast they're healing when continuing to get tension on them. Uh, so we know what muscle recovery looks like. I don't know if we have a lot of very standard, like good evidence for that. And I'll have to kind of like reach out to Jacob to see if there's anything on that. Um, but like, I know like bone remodeling is pretty quick. Uh, you need uh, tension on bone to remodel and to get strengthened. Um, but like tendons, I don't really know. I don't know a whole lot about that. Um, so that's that's something that uh, with the absence of a lot of knowledge in that area, uh, I specifically deloaded because I wanted to make sure that while my muscles were feeling fine, the things that I didn't necessarily have as much direct innervation uh, to or like uh, mind muscle connection to like the like joints and nerves and uh, like just other tissues, I didn't want those to be in a place where they were being overworked, but I couldn't feel it. So I would give myself that time to kind of reduce the total tension to see if that time course was kind of allowing those to heal at a better rate, especially with the, the higher um, training that I was doing for my more elite strongman days. Um, but now that I'm bodybuilding, eh, I, I take a kind of like a rest when I need it. I'm like seven weeks into this program now and I haven't taken a deload. So um, I think there's a big difference there for what I was training for as well. One of the things I repeatedly noticed with myself is when I trained six days a week, I felt like I needed more deloads or I felt like I just got burned out more. Um, I found with doing my five day a week approach, which I find is like my sweet spot. It doesn't seem to be on my head as much like, but I've also just like lowered my volume down um, over the past little bit. Um, not that I think it's any more effective. I just think I've gotten better at realizing what my minimum effective dose is and just being aware that I can do more and maybe it's a little bit better, but the returns are diminishing going a little bit beyond that. Uh, and that in turn has just had me a little bit less fatigued in general. And I don't know about you, but I found like over the last 10 years, every year, I just try and find ways to make bodybuilding easier. Um, and I think I came at it at the approach of, I just needs to be as hard as possible <laughs> at first. And I slowly unlearned some of those. Um, I slowly unlearned that mindset as I realized if I'm less fatigued, I can actually be a little bit more effective. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting, uh, on your front. And I mean, I feel like you kind of know, like you kind of know when you wake up and you just don't have the drive to train hard and you kind of know like when you need it. Um, I've certainly had clients just be like, I just feel like I need one. I'm like, 
if you feel it, you already, you probably already needed it like a week ago. So I'll just go ahead and, and program it for him. But yeah, um, that's super interesting about, you know, I never really thought about the tendons or ligaments or, or things like that. Um, but uh, like I said, when I do more higher volume stuff, especially for arms and stuff, uh, I would definitely feel like wrists start to ache, elbows start to ache. Um, but since training a little bit less voluminous, I found it just hasn't been as, as big a factor in my success, I guess. Mm -hmm. One thing kind of that you remind me of with that uh, specific statement a moment ago was uh, if you're feeling it now, you probably did it last week. And that reminds me of kind of the concept of lagging, lagging indicators. Um, I think one example uh, people use is HRV. Um, so HRV is a great training tool, but it, it lags compared to when, like it, it is specifically afterwards that you get to use that as an indicator. And then there's some other things, I guess, like maybe fatigue is one of them. Um, but like, that was one of the reasons I always specifically programmed a deload is because I, I cannot be bothered to track all of these lagging indicators to figure out their rhythms and to find out what my sort of like timeframes are. So I'm going to plan it as a fourth week and just not have to worry about really uh, about overreaching or overdoing things and finding out too late because it was a lagging indicator. Um, that wasn't a huge part of my philosophy, but it was not something that was um, overlooked or that I wasn't including in it. And that's because um, I, th I think there's a few things that you can use, uh, such as like, um, so there's flexibility in the hamstring. So like when you're doing like a seated toe touch, there's a certain distance that when you've got certain, like a, an amount of training fatigue or level of training that's kind of beyond your recovery, uh, you can only stretch so far, uh, a little bit less. And then when you return to the baseline, you are, that muscle is more recovered than it was when it couldn't reach that stretch limit. Um, so like, there's a lot of things that you can do to track that. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep deloads in and not worry about it. Solid. Right on, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, re I remember the way Brian Miner would, would do them with me and he would kind of look at how I progressed over the last few weeks. And, um, he'd look at the fatigue per week. Like we kind of rate the week in like an RPE basis. And he would use that as a gauge of when to kind of pull that lever. And I think for the most part, it was like every six to eight weeks is where it landed. Um, interestingly enough too, I heard like a soundbite of like Dorian Yates who trained fairly low volume, but he would say like, he would only do his training style for six weeks and then he would back off. So it seems like it's a very common trend that if you really push as hard as you can, six to eight weeks seems to be around that, that limit that you can handle. Um, and obviously doing four to one, you'd like, you kind of just eliminate that guesswork, right? In knowing that it's going to be coming. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, sometimes being proactive definitely pays off, you know, no doubts about that. Yeah, I'm not mad at it, but I'm, I'm glad I'm spending more time in the training phases than less time in the, in the deloads. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, sorry for the lower energy. I'm pretty tired today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe we'll... Uh, Say, say our piece and sign off for another fortnight. Um, so thanks everyone for listening to our podcast tonight. Um, if you have coaching inquiries uh, that include any sort of physique endeavor, uh, hit up AT ATP. Uh, if you're a power lifter, if you're a strong man, we have you covered. Uh, as well to um, rehab, uh, any sort of nagging injuries uh, can be taken care of either by James or by...
Oh man, you gotta Jacob. This part. Jacob, yeah. <laughs> go back yeah. to the uh, injury part and then go back. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you have any lagging injuries, you, uh, either James or Jacob can take care of you. Um, and yeah, just happy to have an audience for another week and hope you guys have a good one. Take care.